0: Over the
1: past four weeks, Pastor Joe, myself, and the entire team here at Good Fight Ministries has been doing a series called Catholicism Examined, where we have been examining a number of the teachings coming out of the Roman Catholic Church. Just to name a few real quick, and you guys can check these out in on the channel that you're on right now, watching this on, on our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash Ministries. And here are the four topics that we've already discussed in the series before we do this live stream. It's, are Catholics Christians? What is our authority, the church or the Bible? The papacy, whether or not it's a biblical office in the church? And what role does the Roman Catholic Church play when it comes to the end times? On today's show, we're gonna be looking at a number of the followers of Good Fight Ministries who have written in comments and asked different questions or said some pretty interesting things to us. And we're going to be answering those today. And so with me to discuss this very important topic is none other than the president and founder of Good Fight Ministries and pastor of Blessed Hope Chapel in Simi Valley, California, Pastor Joe Schimmel.
2: Praise God, Chad. Uh, Just wrapping it up with a fifth one. Somebody might ask, or many people might think, why wow, you guys have, you know, spent a lot of weeks on this, and and why would that be? And I was just thinking about that as you were talking, and I thought, you know, uh, we're talking about maybe a billion-plus people on the planet identifying as Roman Catholic, and uh, I've witnessed to a lot of Roman Catholics, and most of the Roman Catholics I talk to, Chad, uh, if I ask him how they're getting to heaven. Sometimes that's a question I lead with with just about anybody I talk to. Or I say, are you saved? Just a kind of a little icebreaker And almost invariably, most Roman Catholics will say, "Uh, yeah, because I've done a lot of good things. And it became very apparent to me that they weren't understanding the gospel. And then, you know, take that a little bit further, you start to realize, well, actually, when you look at the teachings of Roman Catholicism, justification by faith alone through Christ, trusting Christ, and receiving forgiveness through faith and not by works, is actually considered anathema if you believe that uh, you don't need good works as part of your faith uh, in in regard to, uh, they kind of mix justification with sanctification and it becomes a a blurry prospect. So it's not just Catholics misunderstanding their doctrine. Many Catholics believe that they've got to say all these Hail Marys, they've got to do all these different things uh, lest they die in mortal sins and what have you and be eternally condemned. And some would say, well, you know, they don't take it that seriously. We've quoted over and over again from Vatican II, the Council of Trent, the uh, Catechism of the Catholic Church, Roman Catholic Encyclopedias, over and over again, showing that the Christians who don't adhere to Roman Catholicism are considered anathema outside the church cursed. And if they don't get right with the Roman Catholic Church, they will forever burn. And it becomes a very important issue because we believe there's a lot of beep, a lot of people in the Roman Catholic Church, they don't know the gospel and they need to be saved. And we're talking about a mass amount of people. And Chad, I had no idea we had so many Roman Catholics following our ministry. And we're thankful that you're here and listening. We just hope you'll take this to heart and truly embrace Jesus Christ as your one and only Lord and Savior and the true gospel of Jesus Christ and depart from the traditions and doctrines of men.
1: And, And Joe, just to, I guess, reiterate, before we even get into some of the questions here, just to reiterate a couple of things. One, as you said, you didn't know how many people are actually followers of the ministry. Interestingly enough, I received an email this week from somebody who has converted to Roman Catholicism. And in that email, he said, yeah, there, it'd be great for some healthy debates and so forth. And not only did I get that email and read it, but he said, look, in fact, the parish or, you know, wherever I'm going to, it actually, they actually talk about your ministry. And in fact, they actually share and actually provide uh, a means to get, they sold their souls to rock and roll. I want to read that quote for you Joe and this is from vaticancatholic.com. This is new to me. This is new to you. You didn't know, you didn't know this. This We're is in free my notes. To say
2: that. We also know, I mean, there's there's Catholic priests and we know that they pass their stuff around, but a nun purchased a ton of our videos on Kinsey Syndrome and sent them to every office in the Vatican because of the pedophilia problem. But go on.
1: And by the way, just so you know, this was a loving email by somebody who I believe, I'm sorry, the truth is I believe you're lost. Uh, in a works-based religion but nonetheless um, in they were very loving in the email and even provided this link to say hey look they've even talked about you Joe on there and this is what it says and uh, the topic of question here from the website is whether or not you should be praying the rosary which is the answer should be no but whether or not you should be praying the rosary while you're in the car and the topic in there is music that they end up bringing up what are you listening to while praying this rosary And the topic goes, in the article, it says this, This is true even with songs whose lyrics seem innocuous. For those who may not be convinced of the evil influence of the mainstream modern music, rock, rap, alternative, etc., including of groups whose songs seem harmless, please obtain a copy of the video that we sell, a four-hour expose on rock and popular music called They Sold Their Souls for Rock and Roll. It was done by a Protestant heretic (laughs) <laughs> but he did an incredible job showing how basically all of this popular music comes from the devil and people possessed by the devil. So
2: you got somewhat of an endorsement, Joe. That's hilarious. I'm glad they have our stuff on there because maybe certain people will get other videos we've done, including the uh, rock and roll sources of the New Age Revolution, where we it's you know done before that. We actually show, I think, in that presentation a picture of the Pope, uh, Pope John Paul, bowing before a statue of Mary, and I talk about the New World Order, but...
1: Move we'll on. <laughs> Which is what we did our episode on last time, Joe. But you know, I, I did see someone on here, and before I get to the rest of the comments, I did see your comment on there, and it was somebody who said that they had a friend who is getting baptized into the Catholic Church, sadly mm-hmm. enough, and one of the things they mentioned is that they were at a Pentecostal church and they were hurt by what happened at the church and now they're converting to Catholicism. Now I want to point this out because this is something that's happening online. These are these are things that are happening and it's these low level, low views, sadly enough, of scripture, a lot of feelings based in the theology of so many, I guess, teachers online. You have people out there like Stephen Furtick and Joel Osteen and these guys. So you'll listen, if you listen to some of those teachings, they're, some of them are, I mean, they're heretical, yeah, but also they're motivational. You know, engagements of, of speech. They're not really anybody analyzing the scripture yeah, and actually caring what it says.
2: gobbledygook mixed with a couple of scriptures once in a blue moon.
1: And a lot yeah. of people get taken by that, and at first it seems like, well, at least I'm doing something here, and then next thing you know you're not getting into theology and so forth, and they go online searching for it. And sometimes you'll find someone who might seem really intelligent and you might find a YouTuber even that shares it with some philosophy and they're speaking over your head at first, but then you start understanding understand the concepts. And then next thing you know, you're like, well, look, there's no density here. There's no actual depth of teaching at the church that I'm going to. But look at all this depth and I can actually go back in history and be part of something. I'm part of the Catholic Church and you know, being part of Jesus and his body is not enough, really, because ultimately I need to have this historical background behind mm. it, not realizing just how bloody that is. But nonetheless, we do want to actually say, hey, I see what's happening. Joe sees what's happening. We've talked to people who have considered converting or have converted and so forth. Keep to mind, see do you that, that.
2: You rarely see a blood-born-again, yeah, Holy 100%. Spirit-filled, Jesus-loving, you know, Bible-loving, you know, believer, you know, becoming a Roman Catholic, because it's impossible, because if you love God's Word, and you're going to hate lies, and if you love Jesus and you love His Word, you're not going to go into a system, if you know the truth about it, that is, that preaches the false gospel. However, on the other hand, there's tens of millions, perhaps hundreds of millions of ex-Roman Catholics who have become Christians.
1: I mean, that's in the chat. I mean, I can't tell you how many people that are on here saying, hey... Uh, Raise your hand.
2: I see all kinds of hands go up in our own fellowship. Yeah, and and,
1: and if you want to know why uh, Joe and and myself when we talked about this, hey, let's do a series. We talked about it, you know, months ago. Man, it'd be so good to do a series on Catholicism. And we try to always do something. If you look back on the history of of the Good Fight Radio Show, which you're watching right now, you'll see we did an entire series. I think two October's ago on Catholicism, and where we touched on a number of different topics, and that was before we were on video. Mm-hmm. But really, when looking at it now, we're like, man. Just as you said, I remember that message you gave at a men's retreat where you said, raise your hand if you're an ex-Jehovah's Witness. And we had maybe, I think, one or two people raise their hand. Raise your hand if you're ex-Mormon. We had, you know, one or two people that are ex-Mormon that raised their hand. Well, raise your hand if you're an ex-Catholic. And it was just... all over the place because it's a dead religion. I mean, that's... And and it's sad because they go with the lie of transubstantiation that they think they have Jesus there and that's because it's dead because they don't have the Word of God. They don't actually teach the Word from the Word of God and so it is absolutely dead because it is the Word of God that is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. So, with all of that, Joe, let's actually start some of these questions and getting through them. Now, there are a ton of misconceptions that take place and people can get really confused, specifically when we deal with terminology like Catholic, for example. So I'm going to read directly from this comment that was made on our channel. It says, in all quotes, Writings from the early church fathers. The word Catholic was used to describe the church in writing in the year 110 by Saint Ignatius of Antioch and was used in a manner which suggests that it was already in use and understood. Now, Joe, before I hand that back to you, um, (laughs) it seems that this person doesn't understand the original usage of the term Catholic.
2: Yeah, it's just, there's a word that means, it's a compound word, but basically means universal. And you use the word universal when you're talking, all of a sudden, you know, oh, well, you know, hundreds of years later, actually, Chad, it wasn't until uh, (laughs) 1208 over 1,100 years after that writing was written, the first time you see the Roman Catholic Church as a synonym for the Christian Church as the Catholic Church. Uh, So when Ignatius uses the word Catholic, he's just talking about the universal church, meaning all Christians. And that's understood by historians. You know, Ignatius, Polycarp used that word as well. Uh, And that's just a word, like if I said in a a message, you know, I, I say the entire church. And then years later, a church starts and they call themselves the Roman entire church. They say, hey, look, Pastor Joe, hundreds of years earlier, used the word entire, and that must mean he was talking about the Roman entire church. No, Chad, you and I know there was no Roman pope ruling over all the churches from Rome, right, in, uh, in Ignatius or Polycarp's day. They, they had no, it wasn't a sight. In fact, if Ignatius and Polycarp had come in contact with all their heretical views, you know, uh, you know, the worship of Mary, you know, the veneration of Mary and, the, and, and, and praying to all the saints and, and all these, you know, the brown the scapular, and the assumption of Mary, the ascension of Mary, immaculate conception, uh, they would have repudiated it as a false, you know, movement, just as they repudiated Gnosticism. Gnosticism was actually closer to Christianity in some ways than Roman Catholicism is today. Which is crazy. No, it, And it was considered heretical. It, it is, is really heretical.
1: interesting. And this is just a case of somebody hearing a word and just not understanding what the original usage was of that terminology yeah. and to say, well, Ignatius really knew what the definition is, but sadly you yourself do not even know what you're talking about when you're writing this. I I'm mean, sure the person is sincere. Really I just
2: tried are seeing. Oh, that word was used earlier. It wasn't used of the Roman. There was no Roman Catholic Church until uh, many Christians you know wedded with you know the the Roman government and became a political institution
1: yeah no it, it is it is really it is really interesting and you know these are things that happen but people you know people who love Jesus too this person's a Catholic, but people who absolutely love Jesus also hear that terminology and think the other side right they think well I don't want I don't use that terminology which I understand colloquially our time now if you use the term Catholic usually when we go out and share the gospel, Joe, when we're out even on the streets or when we're are here in America, I've done this in Texas and, and so forth or Santa Monica or here in Simi Valley or when we go to other countries, we can ask them, oh, are you a Christian? And they'll say, no, I'm Catholic. And it's very interesting because that is a very common terminology. Now, I'm Catholic. Now, we would say Catholic, the original meaning of it, as you said, was universal. So it's all blood-bought believers All over the entire world. But ultimately, this is just somebody not understanding uh, the use of the word at the time. Yeah, at the time is the key point. Uh, All right, Joe. So let's get to the next question. This one is from Amiri Feingold. And they said Catholicism is the original Christianity. It was the only Christian sect until Luther created the division and split. Now, Joe, first of all, the Great Schism, by the way, in 1054, they don't even act like that took
2: place with the Eastern, with the Eastern yeah.
1: Orthodox. Like that just never happened. They don't understand, you know, 200 years over 200 years before them, the Waldensians, yeah. right? They don't understand even the Donatists before them. I mean, all these different sects that you're talking about, and they have no idea what they're talking
2: about. Yeah, I'm the, sorry. The,
1: there's so many. Uh... This is a lot. It's just, it's just, it's not only anachronistic; it's ridiculous.
2: Yeah, no doubt. I mean going back even as far back as the Donatists, I mean, you're talking about the 300s, you know, 303, the Emperor Diocletian, wages war against the church. There's, uh, you know, this is uh, before Rome had actually taken over uh, the Roman politics, uh, politics wed with a uh, uh, form of Christianity. So in, what, 303, uh, there was a great persecution, and the Donatists rose out of that persecution because uh, in in 311, they separated from uh, the other, you know, uh, leaders, bishops, you know, pastors, uh, and they separated for them because what was happening is they saw the church compromising, and uh, they said, "Hey, you know, you had see what happened during that persecution of Diocletian. A lot of the uh, apostates, they turned from Christ, uh, they repudiated Christ, uh, spoke against Christ." had in in their scriptures brought their bibles and said or the scripture that they did have right and they said you can burn it because they were burning the scripture as basically a token of the repudiation of christianity and then that that persecution of diocletian wasn't very long and after it was over a lot of those leaders were like hey we're still your leaders and so forth even though they spit on christ you know and so forth and we're not saying there couldn't be true repentance But the Donatists were saying, hey, wait, there's a lot of immorality among these guys. There's a lot of wickedness and so forth. And I'm not saying the Donatists were right on either. I'm just saying, hey, there was definitely schisms going on. We're talking about, um, you know, various countries, you know, in in Northern America and so forth and into the Middle Eastern area that had a very large Donatist population of people that had uh, broken off from the Roman Catholic Church. and. And then what happened? It began, began, began to become more political because then Augustine had the arm of the. It became a political movement. Roman Catholicism. The Donatists were separate, and they were persecuted to the point of shedding their blood. And that's where Augustine, who is considered called Saint Augustine, uh, who is thoroughly Roman Catholic, uh, and if you know, if you look at his doctrines, he, oh yeah, oh he said some good things about the Trinity. Well, I can show you a bunch of cults that say a lot of good things about certain things, even some deep things. But if they're repudiating basic christian doctrine uh they have to be held in derision uh and 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 augustine uh twisted jesus words and when someone twists jesus words and uses them to kill and murder other people that they disagree with paul said with regarding heretics if you feel like the donatists are heretical because they're not lining up with the roman catholic church at this point uh, what did paul say chad when you're you're trying to win someone over who has fallen Paul said to win him over in gentleness in, in 2 Timothy chapter 2. He talks about those who've been taken captive by Satan, that you're supposed to win them by, by gentleness and hope that the Lord will give them repentance. Well, uh, Augustine, not that he's serving the one true church, he's serving what became a bastardization of the true church, a political you know, amalgamation. Uh, what happened is Augustine said, hey, Jesus taught, you know, and uh, he wrote a letter about this uh, and trying to encourage the, the killing of the Donatists if they didn't come back to the Roman Catholic Church. And by the way, his writings here became uh, the basis of some of the popes and so forth, whether it's the Crusades, you know, the Inquisition and so forth, and which became the basis of a lot of Nazi Germany and and Hitler's, uh, you know, uh, excuse to exterminate people that, you know, just wicked stuff. But anyway, he took the scripture of the great wedding banquet where Jesus said uh, to compel people to come in. And us as Christians, we know when Jesus says compel, he's talking about persuade them, let them know that they're invited, uh, that, that God so loved the world that he gave him the love Son, that whoever believes should not perish, and so forth. But he said this, he said, well, this calls for the unsheathing of Peter's sword. Even though Jesus told him to sheathe his sword, he that lives by the sword will die by it, he said, we can use the sword, because what Jesus meant by compelling them to come in was if they don't listen to you, you can cut their heads off, man, you can just go to war with them. So all of a sudden, there's those in good conscience that can't submit to leaders that they looked at as fake and phonies or being hunted down like dogs by the true church. No, that wasn't the true church. So uh, there were there were factions very early on, Chad. And, uh, you know, remember Elijah? thought he was the only one mm-hmm. who was just sincere before God and that all of Israel was an apostasy. And he was reminded by the Lord that there's 7,000 men that have not bowed their knees to Baal or Baal. And guess what? In the first, second, third, fourth, fifth century, when the churches got off, especially when you're talking about the third and the fourth century, uh, there's always been those who have not bowed the knees to Rome and have submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, I'll build my church. The gates of hell won't prevail against it. And uh, we're more than conquerors through Christ that loved us. So there's precious, Jesus-loving saints through the ages who have never accepted the Roman dogma.
1: Amen. And, I, you know, sadly enough, that statement is not only historically inaccurate, but just Um, It's just inaccurate biblically and just does not go with anything the Holy Spirit has shown through his word to us. And, Joe, the next statement is somewhat similar but has a little different taste to it. This is from Sean P. who said, If it weren't for the Catholic Church, none of you clowns would even know the name of Jesus.
2: So, Joe, without... The Roman Catholic well, Church. Well, I'd rather be called a clown, I think, than a Protestant heretic. But either way, I, I take it because just when you're persecuted for righteousness' sake, rejoice, you have treasure in heaven.
1: Yeah, you know what? So, and thank for, you, thank you twice. Over. For me personally, I am, I am very blessed that somebody in the Roman Catholic Church would actually call you a heretic rather than saying, actually, they're just separated brethren. Yeah. I'd rather have this and, and not have it so murky and have the lines drawn and recognize That which is holy and profane, and the Roman Catholic Church. I'm sorry, this is not just us randomly saying this. We've been, we have over four hours of teaching that we've already done, and we're working on this now that you can listen to as well, guys. This is the conclusion that when we read the scripture, when we see the history, um, some of the things that the Catholic Church, and we haven't even gone into that because it's more important that we recognize the scriptures over everything else than simply saying, "Well, look at the horrible history of the Catholic Church." Some of the dogmas and things that were allowed by some of the even guys. By the way, some of the papacy even admitted Catholics right now would admit that there were popes that were anathematized, yeah. there were popes that were these were the heads of their doctrine church. that was false about the deity of Christ. Slept with a bunch of different
2: women and had babies through them, and
1: one hundred percent. And so. All of these things that we're saying, we're saying we want to have that differential so that we can actually have a place where we can share the gospel.
2: But to say that, uh, you know, we wouldn't have heard the name of Jesus if it wasn't for the Roman Catholic Church is ridiculous. The name of Jesus was, uh, even in the first century, Paul talks about how it was being spread throughout all of creation, long before the Roman Catholic Church appeared in the fourth century under Constantine. Uh, But Chad, it's incredible. Uh, You know, if it wasn't for the Roman Catholic Church, in the regard of Jesus, his he would not be so besmirched and blasphemed in the nations around us because the Roman Catholic Church has given a a black eye to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I mean, it's in the news headlines over and over again uh-huh. of the pedophilia uh, and when you set up a system that's unbiblical and that's based on the doctrines of men and the doctrines of demons, and I say even the doctrines of demons because First Timothy chapter four. Paul says the Spirit speaks expressly in verse 1 that latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. He goes on to list those doctrines, which is the prohibition of certain foods, like the Roman Catholic Church has done uh, for years. You couldn't eat meat on Friday, or many people felt forbidden. Uh, also, uh, to be a priest, you, you can't have a uh, a wife. I guess I guess Peter could be the first pope, which doesn't say that in the Bible, but he can't even be really a priest because he was married and he had a he had a mother-in-law, right? Uh, and then these priests, you know, many of them that become priests in their own Catholicism, not all, but many of them, Chad, are young people that were abused sexually, just as many homosexuals, when you when you look at the statistics and homosexuals who have been molested by a man repeatedly and then continued to do the same thing later, or at least in regard to secret out heterosexual sex. Many of these, uh, it, it breaks my heart, but many of these young men who were molested became Roman Catholic priests, and then they struggle with their sexuality, and then many of them, and it, it, who knows, it could be in the countless thousands, molest, you know, altar boys and so forth. And, I mean, you see what's happened up in Canada with a, 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 a church or a Roman Catholic institution having a whole cemetery, so they bury all the kids that were mutilated and killed and put to death and molested and so forth there. And what happens, Chad, you can say, well, you can get a bad apple here. There's not a bad apple here and there. It's all over the Roman Catholic Church. And what's happened is the leadership has hidden it. leadership has moved priests who have molested children from one parish to the next to molest more and more children. Uh, if it wasn't for the Catholic Church, you're right about this. Uh, we wouldn't have heard about Jesus, but you got to keep going with your sentence, being mocked in and people turn against him and not want anything to do with them because of the Roman Catholic Church. That's my response to that. And by the way, Jesus said, I'll build my church as mention mentioned. The gates of hell will not prevail and the faith was once for all delivered to the saints. And the scriptures say in Revelation that the gospel would spread as Jesus prophesied to people being saved from every nation, kingdom, people, and tongue. It didn't take Roman Catholicism to do that. In fact, I rarely see any Roman Catholics actually sharing the gospel. First of all, they don't have the right gospel. And I've never seen Roman Catholics on the streets actually trying to bring people to Christ. Uh, So it's kind of interesting. We're the ones out there in the streets trying to win souls. Catholic apologists are often on the uh, Internet trying to rip off the sheep that we bring to Christ.
1: That's exactly right. I think that's a really good point, Joe, because that is the reality of what we're seeing, is that the people that are actually on the ground doing the work for the gospel are sharing with people the truth of what Jesus' word has said. And when we do that, it seems as though, and you see it, and it, and it breaks my heart, but I've seen it watching video after video, different Catholic apologists and, and so forth, and, and bishops and whatnot, and listening to their speech, listening to how they're trying to convert people, ultimately what they're doing. And, I mean, there are those pre-Vatican II churches and so forth that make clear distinctions, which I would even guess that the person that probably shared that and called you a Protestant heretic might be a part of that group. But But nonetheless, what you see is the minimization of the excess. Oh, well you know what, we're not praying to the dead because they're living. Okay, well, you know, God got really upset with Saul when he tried to talk with Samuel. I don't know if you guys remember that. Mm-hmm. I mean, he got pretty upset to the point where because he met with the witch of Endor, he was killed. That's right. He was put to death. It actually says God, even though he ultimately did kill himself.
2: I mean, The Lord, the Lord talks about not seeking the dead. He's not talking about those who have been annihilated because we're not annihilated. It's those who have passed on from this life to either Hades or to heaven. And... Uh, yeah it's just by the way, Chad, uh as far as you know went to have heard the name of Jesus uh it's kind of uh the Roman Catholic Church fulfills second Peter chapter two, the first few verses to a degree because Peter warns that there would be those who heretics that would come into the church denying the one who bought them in Roman Catholicism, most Roman Catholics that I've known through the years are not living a separated life from from wickedness and for perversion. Uh, many of them just, you know, they, they, they party, they get drunk, they get stoned, they, and they call themselves Catholics and they go to church often. And I'm not saying there's not Catholics that don't do those things, but many Roman Catholics do do those things. And then they go to church and they, but they, they say their Hail Marys or whatever. They go to confession. They feel like they're right with God, but they don't, there's no true repentance. So there's so many millions, hundreds of millions of professing Roman Catholics that are made to feel by the Roman Catholic. And then the church, and then the, the priest will do their funeral. And at the funeral, that person is in heaven, or they're in purgatory, and they'll be in heaven soon. They don't, they don't, they don't make a distinction uh, biblically from that which is good and evil, and practicing evil so often. So, what's interesting is Peter warns about there'd be false teachers who deny him, who bought them. You can deny him more than one way. The Bible says in Titus 1.16, Paul says they profess to know him, but by their works, works they, they deny, deny him. him. He says they these people have come into the church, and he says they bring they they they, they the sensual lifestyles and because they're not separated from that which is evil. And they're, they're sensual. It says because uh, there are stories that they've made up. How many stories have been made up uh, of oh, visions from the Roman Catholicism? It's hard to know. And-
1: when you go to Israel, it's hard to know what... Places are actually the places where events took place yeah. sometimes because they've made up so many ridiculous All stories. All the different
2: pieces of the cross that are, you know, claimed by Catholicism and yeah. others or, or by, you know, trinkets and, sold and so forth. It's just amazing. But it says, because of them, the truth will be maligned. Amen. And when I see the truth being maligned, I see it. And, and yeah, the truth is maligned because there's not just by Roman Catholics, there's others who profess to know Christ and also malign him. But the Roman Catholic does this, at, a church does this as an institution. And that's reprehensible.
1: Yeah, and and Joe, on, on this next question, it, it's an interesting one because I think this is more, or this is becoming more from a confused um, understanding of the history and a few, a confused understanding of what the Catholic Church actually represents and when it actually started. So I think that this answer is a little different than being called a clown. But uh, here's here's what uh, the question is: But wasn't the original church that Jesus founded the Catholic Church? Sure, they might have strayed, which brought it upon the Reformation. But isn't abandoning the church technically the same as abandoning Jesus' church
2: yeah uh, not at all uh Chad, you're pretty conversant we both love the early church fathers yes uh, the anti nicene fathers before the Council of Nicaea uh, and their own Catholic Church uh, you know politicized Christianity uh, and when you read the early church fathers uh, it's it's quite interesting because you see uh, you don't see cardinals. You know, a, you don't see a Roman Pope ruling in Rome over all the churches and the earliest the Church Fathers. Uh, you don't see a lot of the things that w- I could bring up ad ignosium, ad infinitum, just over and over again. All these different traditions that came later. Uh, so, Roman Catholicism is far different than you know uh, the early Church. If you're gonna see a, if you're gonna see a restored 57 Chevy, it's not gonna look like a Cadillac, okay? It's gonna look like a 57 Chevy. And when you compare the early Church to what's, you know. Peter said, silver and gold have I none to the beggar at the gate in the book early chapters of the book of Acts. You know, Peter, silver and gold have I none, but what I give you, you know, what I have I give to you. And he, and he prays for him in the name of Jesus and the the man is, you know, delivered, healed, you know, and Roman Catholicism is totally different than that. Today they have no power to actually, you know, confront the devil, but silver and gold they have all, (laughs) you know, go to the Vatican, it's laden with silver and gold and it's totally different than the early church. The early church wasn't this commercial power uh, and, and a political power. Uh, It's far different. And Chad, that would be like, you know, let's say Christianity had just started recently, you know, Uh, you know, in the last uh, couple centuries and we're Christians. And then Joe Biden, not Constantine, but Joe Biden says, hey, I'm joining the Catholic Church. You know, my mom had, you know, is a Christian. I had this vision and this name conquer, you know, and and let's join the Democratic Party with with Christianity. And then it joins together. Well, guess what? When we see the corruption in that, what would we do? We'd be the dissidents. You know, we wouldn't be considered part of the church, but guess what? We'd be part of the true church because we truly be following Christ and His Word. We'd be going for that political, those political lies. And it be, and you know, and we use the example when Je- Satan said to Jesus, bow down and shall have the kingdoms of the world in a moment's time, and all this shall be yours. And Jesus said, you know, get behind me, Satan. It's written, Thou should worship the Lord thy God and serve him only. He wouldn't do that. Well, guess what? Roman Catholicism has done that. There that's what happened in uh, with a lot of the Christian leaders. They said, Okay, yeah, we'll bow down. The Roman Emperor, even though the, a lot of these emperors have persecuted us to the point of death, and we'll will make this political, and we'll have safety in, in under this uh, political guise of religiosity. Well, Chad and Joe Biden, let's say he you know he starts this church, and and many of us would say no, that's not true Christianity. And then you see Kamala Harris, you know, and she's you know becomes you know uh, or whatever, and what would happen? Well, with Joe Biden, would they, somebody could look back and you know fifteen hundred years later, or 1500 years later after that, and say. Well, wasn't Joe Biden, that, wasn't that the true church and that the church Jesus set up? I was like, no, you have to look at what happened before that and the political developments that came out of that. And that wasn't uh, true Christianity, uh, you know, because early church wasn't promoting purgatory where you burn off your sins in the, in the, in the first and second century, brothers and sisters. It, all this stuff came later. It's not Christianity.
1: Praise the Lord and uh, just pointing out a comment I, I saw. Since we're you know doing a live here, we haven't done a live in a month because we've been putting yeah, out this series. So months. it's nice. And, and Enrique Martinez says, "I was Catholic for 29 years before I was saved, and now I'm a born again Christian man who reads God's Holy Word." which praise is the Such Lord. a blessing, bro. Praise praise God for you and you know great, it, great,
2: it, uh, it. It's always comment awesome. Comment and with next question.
1: Yeah, it, it's it's really it's really awesome because this stuff is really important and. On the next questions, what we're going to do is they all are kind of had the similar um, question. So what I'm going to do is read all three of them together. And then what we're going to do is we also have a clip. Um, so you guys can hear from three witnesses today um, from an interview we already did regarding uh, the scriptures. But also to make a reference to some of the things that are asked on these three. I'll start with John Prentice there, Tony. Um on when I read from these three, and it'll take a little bit because some of them have a, a number of different things that are being said, I, I want you guys to know that you can go to part two of this series and get a lot of these questions already answered uh, on on them. So that's really, really important. But there are some things that I think maybe some clarification and maybe a shorter answer if we can make this a clip as well for you guys to kind of uh, grow from. So the first one is from John Prentice and he said, What historical institution was tasked With compiling and preserving the canon of scripture for the first 1500 years of Christianity. Not the Catholic Church, but anyways, I have to break it to you guys. If the Catholic Church is wrong, Christianity itself is false. Please stop protesting against our Lord and come home to the church founded by Christ Himself. The next statement was very similar. You attack the one true church with the Bible which you only have because the one true church preserved it. And this one is a three-pronged question. And I'll leave the number three on this for Joe and I to answer after the clip. But it is, it is kind of summarizing a, a little bit of the question that is asked. And I will say this question was actually asked before the series was even uh, presented. And then part two kind of answered some of the questions. But nonetheless... We're going to be, uh, I'll read from this one. This is from somebody who calls himself Service. And he says, Chad, looking forward to it. A few questions I have beforehand. How do you know which books belong to in the Bible? Where did the table of contents, remember that word guys for this live stream, where did the table of contents come from? Specifically, historically, and who specifically decided which books belong and by whose specific authority was the decision made? Which came first? the church, or the Bible? And can you provide a specific historical timeline for this? And will your interpretation of the biblical passages used for the examination be infallible? Yes or no? Thank you and God bless. So before I get into answering all of those questions, which I think some we can kind of summarize them all with the same uh, misunderstanding and really starting off with a wrong epistemology, I want to play this clip from when we at Good Fight Ministries interviewed Dr. Michael J. Kruger, who has a number of books. If you're wondering about the canon of Scripture, he has a number of books that deal with the theological question of the canon of Scripture, as well as the historical question of the canon of Scripture, both of which were asked there. But one of them are is a very important starting place when you're looking at Scripture. And so the question that is raised here and what he's going to a- answer is whether or not the Catholic Church gave us this table of contents as mentioned here in the question by service. And if they gave us this table of contents, how on earth do we answer that? And Michael J. Kruger is going to answer that here.
3: And so we've got a disagreement here about the way we know which books are from God. Catholics would say that the only way you can know which books are from God is from the Church telling you. Um and Protestants say no, you can, you can know from the books themselves. Now, there's several ways to respond to this uh, uh, particular argument. W- one, one general observation, just as, as, as I think about it, is you know, if someone says you can only know that these books are from God, from the, from, from the, from the, the Church itself, I want to know, well, how do you know that? How do you know you can only know from the Church itself? Um, certainly, it's nothing in the Bible that suggests that. Um, because there's nothing in the Bible, I would argue, that would suggest an infallible church in the first place. Now, if you say, well, we know that the, the church is the only place to know because the church told us, well, now we're back to that again, which is the very thing most Roman Catholics say you can't do, which is have a self-authenticating authority. And this, of course, exposes the real problem here with the argument. They, they say, look, you Protestants would be fine if you had an, an authorized table of content. contents. You don't, so therefore we need the church to tell you. But I always respond by saying, "Well, what if the Protestants did? Let's imagine we uncovered a document in the sands of Egypt. They gave us the authorized table of contents. Would that would that make you satisfied?" And the answer, of course, is no, because that document has to be authenticated. And who's supposed to authenticate it? Well, Mother Church. So what you realize is that it, having an authoritative table of contents wouldn't actually solve the problem for them. You always have to have ultimately the church built into. The equation. So, what that just shows you is the argument just presupposes the very thing they're trying to prove. It doesn't actually show you the church is the only authority; it just presupposes that, and then says therefore you can't have uh, the Bible in front of you. We would say, on the contrary, we think you can establish which books belong in the Bible through all kinds of other means, um, and I've already laid those out earlier in this conversation. And what you don't need is a is an infallible church.
1: So you see, Joe, there is something I, I want to bring this out to, and what's happening on a lot of those levels of questioning is, as we talked about, an epistemological misunderstanding or the place where they're grounded is just way off. But a lot of this has to do with the definition of canon or scripture, depending upon how, and sometimes that can be used interchangeably. And the definition that they are trying to use is what is called an exclusive definition of scripture. Now, some of them don't think that the church actually knew what scripture apparently to them for 1,500 years. It really, ultimately, it's not until after a reaction to Trent, which was a reaction to the Reformation, Mm -hmm. did they actually give their canon, which also added books that aren't in the actual canon of Scripture. But nonetheless, this exclusive definition of the canon that they're using is basically saying, well, we couldn't really have the canon... We couldn't have the scriptures as authoritative as we believe in Sola Scriptura, that the scripture are our sole infallible rule of faith and practice. Sole infallible, the only perfect thing. There are things that aid us and help us, but it's the only thing that's sole and infallible. But this exclusive definition that they try to put on the scripture comes with the idea that it must be finished, It must be a finished book, all 27 books of the New Testament, because there was already a canon, by the way, of Scripture Mm -hmm. when the New Testament writers were giving the deposit of the New Covenant so that we would know how to walk and we would know our doctrine in that deposit, waiting for it because the Jews that they were would have been waiting for a deposit of Scripture just like they got under the Old Covenant. And they were
2: circulating already in the late first century.
1: Which is incredible if you really look and how much they were circulating it, how even in the very letters themselves, not only did they speak with the authority that God had given them to write Scripture, but also over and over again, make sure you send this out also to the church of Laodicea, right? In some, some cases. To the Colossians. To the Colossians yeah. and so forth. And when you also look at the book of Revelation and you even think about how they would dispense these out and you use six of the seven churches being in metropolises and guess what? Being able to get these... These letters out the Book of Revelation and so
2: forth, and so we look at that. And in the Book of Revelation blesses he that reads. Man, they were able to read it and hear, hear the words of this prophecy. Yeah. Read here and he already in the late first century when that was written about ninety six or so 80.
1: And then what people don't understand is how these letters written by Paul and written by Peter and Jude and James and John and so forth, how they would have been acting as authoritative as soon as they were written and sent to them. So there is a functional definition of canon that is being misunderstood here on top of an ontological definition of canon Mm -hmm. that is being misunderstood here because they're not understanding that something that we made a big point of this when we did our entire episode on what our authority is. And the fact is when John wrote his gospel before the ink was even dry, it was already Theonistos. It was already God, God breathed. Breathe. He's the one who wrote it. God is the one who wrote it. Second Peter chapter one makes it very clear, sixteen through twenty-one, that the words that we have are more sure. The word Scripture is used there. It's used right le- in the same letter talking about Paul's letters. By the way, the word graphe, Paul's is being, sp- being
2: Scripture. being Scripture being already circulating, already known, and known as Scripture long before Roman Catholicism comes around.
1: And what does he say? That we have a, more, a word more sure than he speaks to an event, right? God speaking from the clouds to him at the Mount of Transfiguration, and he said, "We have a m- word more sure." And that, guess what? It's not done by one man's own interpretation, but men, holy men, holy moved men of
2: God, we're by moved by, God. by the Holy Spirit. God speak, move yeah. by God, Amen. and He spoke
1: and He wrote it. So I want to say this: If you think that God had to have certain individuals in rome decide what his word was then i'm sorry you don't know the god who wrote it that's that's my conclusion yeah
2: and rome didn't even get it right i mean they've got it so wrong i mean you're you're saying the roman catholic church gave us the bible uh let let me think for a minute 400 years before christ even came the whole testament the old testament was already written and it was given to the church by the jews you know god used the jews and that's one reason we should really appreciate Israel, according to Paul in Romans 11, because we have the oracles of God. Uh, God used the Jews. The Catholic Church wasn't around for you know over, you know about a thousand years after that. Uh, and uh, and by the way, Jer- a lot of these prophets in the Old Testament weren't even accepted by Israel. It wasn't whether Israel accepted them or not as to whether they're ultimately from God or not. In fact, when Jeremiah is writing, you know, uh, before the diaspora, and much of Jeremiah written during that time when they had been uh, transported into captivity. Uh, in Babylon, uh, when his words are being rejected by Ju- by Judah, right? Were they not ex- Were they not scripture? No, they were the word of God. And if a king comes later and says, "I wow, man, Jeremiah is obviously a prophet. Does that also make it scripture? No, it was scripture before any king recognized it. Amen. So before something even becomes accepted by any group as being part of the canon, it's the word of God, man. And I can show you, you can go through Clement, you can go through Irenaeus, you can go even in the first century, Asian, about 180, yeah. with the Miratorium text written or oh, canon. Yeah, the fragments, fragment. the the, the can, it's also called the muratorium, uh Canon. You have 22 Two of miss, the 27, 27 books yeah. mentioned right I mean. there. You know, and it even talks about the Shepherd Hermes and how we don't read this though in the in the, in the congregations because they look at it as being divinely inspired. You know, and they get 22 of and and you put the you get all 27 in the New Testament. And Chad, I think it's important. Uh, and Michael Kruger makes this point. One of the salient points I think he makes, I think that's really uh, beautiful to kind of crystallize this in your minds. Uh, what authenticated scripture, uh, he uses a 3 prong argument, which I really appreciate, and uh, I'd encourage you to go look at that entire interview that Chad has uh, done with uh, M- Michael J. Kruger. But I'd also encourage you to check out his book. Go to Amazon and, and get his book called Canon Revisited. Uh, but... He uses a uh, very salient but powerful argument, which is intuitively to us as believers, is uh, three points, is that uh, what, what authenticated Scripture was the fact that it was inspired by God himself, as Chad has pointed out. And also we know Second Timothy chapter 3, uh, as Paul mentioned, uh, that it's God-breathed and all Scripture is inspired by God. The moment it's written, it's the Word of God, amen? But the three points is that uh, Scripture is known because it has divine qualities, and we examine this in some depth in that show. Uh, I, I specify certain divine qualities like the prophetic element is beyond human and so forth. And, and, and that's important. And also number two, the New Testament has apostolic origins. You know, it was written by the apostles uh, and the associates of the apostles and accepted by the apostolic witness. And number three uh, is that there is a consensus, a, a corporate acceptance, I should say, of these books as being scripture. Uh, and, and by the way, well, how do you know their scripture then without their own Catholic church telling you? I mean, you had to wait it four centuries later till the Roman Catholic church came around to find out what was scripture. Absolutely not. They knew it was scripture in the first century. But you know why? Because Jesus said in John 10, 27, Chad, my sheep Amen. hear my voice and For they follow me. Follow. Yep. yep, we hear his voice. And I love what Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians two thirteen. And we also thank God continually because when you receive the word of God, we're talking about maybe in the 50s, here, Chad, maybe 50, 60s, uh When you heard the word of, when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. Now, can you imagine some of them saying, "Well, no, I really can't accept it. We got to wait till the Roman Catholic Church emerges in a few centuries, whether we can really find out the word of God." By the way, you might ask Roman Catholic: Does the does the church get uh, thor- Does the church have authority over Jesus and His Word? Or does Jesus and his word have authority over the church? That's a very important question. Because since when do we have the authority to say this is scripture? Uh, We don't. Uh, Jesus and his word is authoritative. We simply recognize it as the word of God. It was being recognized as such long before Roman Catholicism came around. And by the way, again, I'll mention, Roman Catholic Church doesn't even have the canon right. they've, they've, They've added several books from the apocryphal period, the years of silence, 400 years before Christ, the prophets didn't speak. You know, just as 400 years after Abraham, you know, uh, God didn't speak. And then Moses, who's a picture of Christ, comes on the scene as a deliverer and a savior, right? 400 years after the prophet Malachi, uh, you have silence as well. Well, guess what? There are apocryphal books that have some good history and have a bunch of junk in them. But the Roman Catholic Church decided to put them in their scripture. But guess what? They were never, they weren't accepted by the, by Israel. Okay, so what happened to the authority of Israel, right? Back then when they accepted that as a canon of Scripture, they weren't accepted, they were rejected, or I should say at the very least not used or ever quoted by Jesus or any of the apostles. They quote all kinds of books in the Old Testament, but they never quote the Apocrypha. And by the way, so-called St. Jerome, one of the top saints in Roman Catholicism, who wrote the Vulgate, their first real accepted, you know, first, one of the big translations, I should say, in early Roman Catholicism, Uh, He rejected the Apocrypha, and he wrote against it. So, you know, (laughs) so you're going to follow this Pope, or this one, or this saint, or that one. Uh, My sheep hear my voice. We look at Jesus' words. We look at the writings of the Apostles. We see the authentication, Chad. We see the apostolic origins. uh, We see the divine qualities, and his sheep hear his voice.
1: Now, amen. It's it's very, very clear uh, when we see this, and it is uh, it's really a huge misunderstanding and sadly enough and we can see this in practice And one of the things that we exposed regarding the papacy uh, is the fact that they were they have tried to put a leash on the word of god for many many years in fact they did not even want people to be reading it at all it was not allowed to be read specific then at times it wasn't allowed to be read in anything other than latin i mean there's a, it was dark for a reason because people were being hid from the word right. of God. And that's why the Waldensians said, no, we're going to read the scriptures. They were so dedicated, even had to write down the scriptures, all their children, raising them up in the hills, in the mountains, and then being massacred by, oh, the Catholics, that's right, even getting indulgences for killing them, by the way.
2: And they were rejecting transubstantiation, yep. Waldensians, all these other the papacy, doctors. Yeah. The papacy that they saw as being not in the Bible.
1: Yeah, you know why they knew it wasn't there? Because they were reading it.
2: Yeah, and absolutely. So, and, and that's Just like the, the Anabaptists, the Mennonites, the Amish who became Mennonites, the Amish later, Yep. Uh, and the Lutherans and, you know, the Reformed groups and so forth.
1: Yeah, you weren't just a Catholic because you lived in Rome, right, uh, and so forth, or these different Catholic uh, nations and so forth, and the Anabaptists said, no, you're a Christian if you actually, in your heart, believe and trust mm-hmm. in the Lord, and that was... You know why them and Zwingli had to separate when Zwingli seemed to be going that way. But that's for another show. Uh, Nonetheless, the suppression of the Word of God, it's interesting to me, especially from an early church perspective, because we know the manuscripts existed. We know that books, not that the, the, the church invented the booklet, but... Honestly, if it wasn't for the church, books the way that we have them today would not be around. I mean, they really wouldn't. It was because of the manuscripts that we have now that weren't just a bunch of scrolls. They were trying to make it popular and trying to get the word out. They were handing these out as gospel tracts to people, like the gospel specifically as a fourfold. uh, Like 25,000
2: Oh, the manuscripts, manuscripts man. And Copies, the booklets. Showing I mean, how much they proliferated more than any book of antiquity.
1: Writing yeah. on the front and back of, of literature and not just on one side. Yeah. All of that stuff that we have and we were able to find all of this word is because they were trying to get it out. And then even The we, opposite
2: of what Rome did, by the way. The
1: opposite of what Rome did. Even when we have the creeds, we have early church testimony that the reason that they did the creeds was for those who were too poor to actually own a Bible to be able Mm -hmm. to read or uneducated or work so much they didn't have the time for reading that the creeds were there in order for them to understand what they were getting baptized into. Mm -hmm. It wasn't to suppress them from the truth of Scripture as if God's Word can only be understood by certain people, even though every believer is supposed to have the Holy Spirit with inside of them. Yeah, amen. But nonetheless, and Not only do we see that in the history of the Catholic Church, suppressing believers from reading the Scripture, but this is actually a comment that was written to somebody else talking about their conversion out of Catholicism, and this is what somebody said to them. You are the reason the Bible was kept out of inferior hands for so long, because the unintelligent and uneducated read for their their own and cause themselves more harm and become stupider— <clears throat> from the attempt god didn't <laughs> tell you to stab him in the back your blank father the devil did so this was a comment by uh, somebody who's catholic and they were basically saying or catholic who, oh
2: catholic okay. yeah
1: yeah it's interesting when you read martyrs mirrors and the people that are writing that down are actually catholics and at some points when you're reading martyrs yeah. mirrors when they're detailing the debates on their the person writing it actually asked the Catholic uh, priests to no longer use foul language because they don't want to write it down. Interesting enough, when you're yeah. reading through some of the martyrdoms as they were murdering the Anabaptists, but nonetheless,
2: by the way, a little this is plug the to the mentality. Martyrs, Mirror, so you understand. We've yes. got Fox's Book of Martyrs, which is just a gem. It's an amazing book, but less popular, but way more voluminous and. And more interesting in some ways, but both have their own and their own writer. Great is Martyrs Mirror, and that was the history of a lot of the Anabaptist persecutions.
1: But, but Joe, this mentality, and I know, wow, we're really coming against it. Tony did not give us the ten-minute mark, or I just didn't see him. But uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, you texted me, thank you. Um, but, but nonetheless, Joe, I know we're really running against the time here. So maybe just a quick comment on this, and we can get to that last question that we had. So there's the practical nature to this for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, that I want to get to on that last question. But just, Joe, the mentality of thinking you are too dumb to be able to have the Scriptures. There's a doctrine in Christianity called the perpetuity of Scripture. The Scripture is clear enough to be able to bring us to salvation. That's a simple enough way of describing it, uh, that you could perceive and understand enough from the Bible to come to faith. In fact, that's why John says he wrote his Gospel, not so that the Bishop of Rome will be able to uh, explain it to a priest, and then the priest will be able to explain it to you, and then you come to faith. But it was specifically written that you would believe and have life in His name, and so that's why the scripture is written. But this sort of mentality is is dangerous.
2: Is dangerous. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it's funny because it's like, well, the Catholic Church—they know how to interpret it, you know, accurately and so forth. Though so the truth is, as you mentioned, Chad, the Roman Catholic Church—I mean, we have the Dark Ages because Roman Catholic Church suppressed the light of God, and you could be killed if you were found translating the Bible and putting it in the language of the common people. Uh, Martin Luther, uh, you know, the, the the reformer in the 16th century, uh, he translated the Bible uh, for, for the German people. First time they could read it in their own language, and that's why you had so many, uh, that's where the Anabaptist movement uh, started right there, and much of the Re- the Reformation started there, because people were actually reading the scripture for themselves. And um, we've had, at our fellowship through the years, Chad, a couple of, uh, I think this was before you were coming. Years and years ago, we've had a couple different Roman Catholic former priests, one a former Jesuit, speak at our fellowship, and he talked about having all these years of seminary to become a Jesuit. And he said they only he only knew a couple verses from the Bible. They barely even looked at the Bible. And so it's not like you know uh, the the priests are di- are digging in the in deep into the scripture and and, and waiting in, in the water of God's word. Man, uh, the truth is is that uh, I remember when I was a brand new Christian. Uh, I remember talking to a Catholic priest. I knew it was wrong. I was a, I was a kid, you know, I 17, just turning 18 or so. And I remember my mom asking me, hey, Joe, can you at least, and I know, because I was reading the Word, I was saying, you know, don't call him a father. Wow, don't pray repetitiously. I've seen all these things that are contrary, that that the Bible is just refuting Catholicism. I'm like, well, I know Catholicism is messed up. And she said, we just go down there, you know, because, in, you know, my parents, uh, we hadn't gone to church for years, but, you know, they claimed to be Catholics at the time. Praise God, my mom, and later my dad, And all my three sisters, brother, all seven of us came to Christ. I was able to lead many, beginning with my family, uh, members to Christ out of Roman Catholicism. But I went and talked to this priest, and I mentioned certain things in the scripture that I was reading, and he was laughing and saying, we don't even believe that, you know. That's not true of Roman Catholic priests in general, I'm saying. But I was like, wow, he had no reverence for the Word of God. And I have to be honest, he was, you know, speaking, I was talking about prophetic scriptures in the book of Revelation and so forth, and he was just lost, and he was like cross-eyed. He didn't know what, you know, he's like, well, we don't take that. I can't remember his exact words, but we either, you know, don't really take that seriously or that's, or, you know, we don't believe, you know, what the Bible says about the end times or what have you. And I was shocked, but not shocked, because I saw the lies already in Roman Catholicism for just reading the scripture. And I could, then I understood later, you know, when I came to realize that they have to suppress the scripture and keep it from the word of God. And Chad, and speaking of prophecy, I mean, I'll give you an example. You don't have a whole lot of, I mean, you can search on Amazon for commentaries on different books, the Bible verse by verse commentaries by Roman Catholic uh, priests and theologians. It's hard to find them. You know, it's really hard to find them because that's not what they do they're not in depth in the scripture i may mean, have gunnick brown and others that are and, I, and actually they'll find repudiations of catholicism in their commentaries you know but it's kind of interesting uh when you, when you think about this issue just trying to button it up is when you look at the you know revelation 12 for instance and that's a classic example uh you know, when you see something very clear when he talks about the the, the sun and the moon the 12 stars and you you go back to the end of Genesis you'll see that that's speaking of Joseph's brothers and his mom and his dad bowing down to him and it's Israel who's the woman there that gives birth to the man child it's so clear when you let scripture interpret scripture it's beautiful it's powerful it's like wow look at the cemetery here Roman Catholic Church Oh, this is Mary. Mary. Yeah. This is Mary, this, this woman with the 12 stars and the sun and the moon. It's like, what a what a lie. You, I, know? you know,
1: it's interesting you bring that up. I remember listening to Scott Hahn, who is a convert to Catholicism, and he was trying to explain to a friend, and by the way, I, he is really difficult to listen to because he just goes all over the place, hard to follow. But nonetheless, he was trying to explain to a friend about the Immaculate Conception, I believe it was, uh, of Mary. And then of communion and so forth and what it got brought back to was right there revelation 12 And he said that the priest was actually teaching on this while my friend was there a Baptist and mm. all this stuff and I was like what a Disgusting mutilation of the text yeah, what absolutely a just re- I mean they do it with John 6 Just absolutely ridiculous, but don't care about Jesus being the light of the world They only care about him being the bread of uh, uh, the bread of the world, you know uh, giving out bread and so forth But nonetheless you see this and it's such a frustrating thing to watch but as long as the Catholic Church agrees, we're good. Yeah. As long as, as they say it, they're the authority, so I appeal to that authority, and we're fine. There's, you know, this understanding Scripture and making sure that each and every one of us rightly divide the word of truth, that each and every one of us are meditating on His word day and night and being like the tree planted against the water that bears fruit in a season. Those who are sanctified by the word of God, according to Jesus in John 17, 17, and yet it is pushed aside For traditions of men. And it's heartbreaking, Joe. And this is why this distinction is so important. And this is the question that came in um, from Jared Knapp. And he was asking specifically how to share.
2: This is the last
1: question. This is the last question. This is where, you know, we need to understand the difference here, because if we don't understand the difference here, then we are not going to be willing to share the gospel with our lost Roman Catholic That's neighbor. Right. And that is the biggest thing. That's the reason we've done this series, is because we believe that most of them are lost. If somebody is saved in the Catholic Church, they're saved in spite of Catholicism Amen. and not because of Catholicism. And so I want to read this question, Joe, and, and this can lead you into that. And it says, How would I explain to a family member who is dead set on Christianity and Catholicism being the same? that they are not in a loving way how would you share that in a loving way to them
2: yeah well yeah, speak the truth in love uh, get on your knees you know before you share or pray crowd to the Lord to, to help you not to overreact but to before we came up here before I drove down to the office today I hit my knees cried out to God that I'd be a blessing and that we'd be a blessing and, and that we would be able to encourage you in the truth you know and uh, we need to love the Lord, you know, and don't we don't want to get in the flesh, you know uh, and it, I praise God by the by your very writing I can see you have a heart for them and and praise God because a lot of people just let people perish, but we need to reach our Roman Catholic friends and uh, family members. but I would say pray that the Lord would give you uh, wisdom and words because uh, I don't want to share exactly how you ought to share because the Holy Spirit will use us in different ways but as far as, since you're asking, you know, a a basic way to share, and it might be uh, very, 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 very powerful to use it. There's so many angles you can come at in regard to Roman Catholicism, but one of the ways I like to go about it is I like to uh, draw their attention to uh, the fact that the Roman Catholic Church itself makes a distinction between us as evangelical Christians and Roman Catholic Church as having very, very distinct and uh, mutually exclusive beliefs. In fact, what I'd bring up to them is say, hey, you know, you're saying that they're basically the same and that we're basically all the church. And uh, what you could do is simply go to uh, the the Council of Trent and read a couple of the, uh, there's a ton of them, right? But read a couple of anathemas. Uh, and you can go to some of our shows to see a bunch of them. You could simply, you could just very do a little exercise here. You could just go to Google, type in type in salvation by grace through faith alone, and then type in the word anathema, Council of Trent. The word's Council of Trent. You'll find all kinds of anathemas that are against those of us who believe that salvation is a free gift. And it's so free that there's nothing we can do to earn it. And we believe that we're saved by grace, as Paul said Ephesians Two eight nine. I'd share this with them. I share the anathemas that condemn those who say that we're saved by grace through faith alone, right? And that works, and those that say that works are simply evidence of faith, which is what we say. Works are not meritorious at all to earn our salvation, but we're under the anathema, the curse of uh, the Council of Trent, which was ratified by Vatican II, and it's upheld by the Roman Catholic Church today. So we are under uh, the damnable curse of the Roman Catholic Church's anathemas. Uh, we don't doesn't doesn't move us at all because we fear God. We don't fear man. Amen. And The fear of man is a snare. So the answer would be uh, use a couple of those uh, canons, you know, from the uh, Dort, or I'm sorry, not from Dort, from uh, Trent. And when you and and just show them those, and then say, Hey, now I want to do something with you. And this is very key. Go to the Book of Galatians, and go to Galatians chapter two, verses sixteen and seventeen where Paul makes it very clear that we are justified by faith and not by the works of the law. And that he and then show them in chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, that Paul says it's through faith that we're justified apart from the works of the law. Apart from the works of the law means by faith alone, right? And then say, hey, look, this is what Paul says. Then take them to Galatians 1, 6 through 9, where Paul says, I marvel that you're so quickly being removed from him who has called you into the grace of Christ to another gospel which is really not another gospel, but if we or an angel from heaven preaches another gospel to you, than that which we preach to you, let him be anathematized. Anathema in the Greek uh, means cursed. So the anathema that Paul pronounces under the divine inspiration of the Holy Spirit is against those who would teach that justification comes through faith and earning it also by works. That's condemned as a false gospel. Then point out the context of Galatians that the judaizers were saying these were those who come into the church of galatia that it's not enough to just put your trust in christ to be saved you have to keep you have to be circumcised according to the mosaic law and so forth and point out that just being circumcised paul says is enough to bring you under the curse of god if you're being circumcised to be right with god not believing it's by faith alone galatians 5 1 through 4 and then draw a line from there to back to the roman catholic church and let them know and say hey do you realize The Roman Catholic Church teaches things, for instance, that if you die and you have all these venial sins still, that you have to burn them off in purgatory and suffer this torment in purgatory because the blood of Christ is not powerful enough to have taken those sins away. However, more powerful than the blood of Christ is if you wear a brown scapular before you die and you die wearing it. Mary will be your savior, and she'll save you from purgatory on the first Saturday after you die." Now, if circumcision was enough to damn you, which it is according to Galatians, if you take it thinking that's how I could be right with God, how much more the brown scapular? And I think these are powerful arguments because they're, they're picturesque, you're able to use very concrete ideas and concepts with the Word of God and demonstrate that the Roman Catholic Church teaches the false gospel. Then I would point them to Jesus and talk about how in, in, in the true faith, we have an actual relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, which breaks my heart because so many Roman Catholics are following ritualism, liturgy, uh, lost in it, and let them know that, hey, to know Jesus Christ, is to have to be saved is to have a relationship with Christ and actually know Him and trust Him as your Lord and Savior and being filled with His Holy Spirit and have a, a relationship with Him, walking with Him, knowing Him and having the confidence that through faith in Him, you're not only saved, but you have eternal life. And that to be absent from the body is not to go to suffer in purgatory, but to be present with the Lord and be with Him in His eternal kingdom forever and ever.
1: Hey, we want to thank you guys for joining us on this now five-part series, Catholicism Examined. And we just so awesome to have you guys join us on this live chat. We can't wait for our next series. I don't even have an announcement for it just yet. But hopefully we'll see you guys back on the live stream next week. God bless you guys. Praise
0: God. We love you guys.